You're listening to ClearTrack HR Podcast, a show about employee benefits, employment law, and other topics for HR professionals. Don't forget to subscribe if you like what you hear. Now here's our host, Zach Finney. Thank you for listening to the ClearTrack HR Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Finney, and I am very excited for our guest today, Samantha Lane with Origami Day. Samantha is a time management guru with past work in public relations, higher education, and wellness. She has an amazing story, provides great advice and tips for how to balance work and life, the art of saying no, time management, setting goals, and that's just to name a few. Samantha, thank you so much for joining our podcast today. Thank you for having me. And then just to get started, can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and what led you to start Origami Day? Sure. I will give the the short version of that question, um, which is that I, I used to actually be a workaholic and I had no balance in my life. And um, in 2014, I had to have my chest cut open to fix a chest wall deformity that left my sternum sitting on my heart and made it difficult for me to breathe. And so with the advice of the doctors, I chose to have my chest cut open and plan to be out of commission for four weeks. But what I ended up having was a lot of complications which were difficult but made me realize that we have no idea what's around the next bend and life can be short and time is our most precious gift and that was the start of me changing my life to one of balance and becoming um, a time management fanatic first i suppose an expert later and then sort of helping to teach other people how to live more without having to have that same experience that i did and and before that experience were you still specializing in time management before there did that kind of spur on the the time management focus i always had one eye on time management and efficiency so and i've always been a natural uh naturally organized person but it was really that was the impetus for me to say this isn't just something i need to pay attention to but this is something i need to immerse myself in and really learn extensively about and so i did and then I am going to be slightly selfish and ask if we can talk, speak on a topic that's always been a mystery to me, which is work-life balance, your specialty. Yes, I would love to talk about work-life balance. Honestly, I love getting to talk with people like you and be present in podcasts like this, because I think that work-life balance is something that so many of us are told we can't have, that it's, you know, a two-sided coin you on one side you get work and on the other side you get life but you can't have both and i just i i used to think that was true and now i adamantly don't believe in that i believe that work-life balance is in fact a thing job love is real and we can be present in life while still being productive so i would love for us to talk about that <laughs> well i am excited about it because that's definitely been an ongoing struggle for me I, I mean it just feels like work never ends especially now that we're kind of in a remote setting Mm -hmm. um you know the, it feels like there's no transition so mm -hmm. uh, instead mm -hmm. of you know the clock ticking and hitting five and excited to drive home i, I walk out the door of my office and i'm still here you know it's like <laughs> there's never ending yeah there's a lot there's unfortunately we're already seeing some of the negative negative side effects of that from people who right now the average person is working three hours more each day um than they were pre-pandemic. And then there's also a lot of people having this work bleed into their lives because they don't have something like a commute that creates a really clear delineation between home life and work life. You know, there's a lot of benefits to work-life blend, 
but if we aren't adequately prepared for something like working at home and flexible schedules, then it can be really confusing if we're used to a much more rigid work in an office type environment. Absolutely. And I've heard you use the term that you were a reformed workaholic. I mean, what are some key signs that a person may be, in fact, a workaholic? Mm, yeah. So I think, like many things in life, it's probably a little bit different for each person. I can tell you some of the signs that eventually helped me realize I was a workaholic. Um, one is that I put off my personal goals often so that I could accomplish professional goals. So that was a little bit of an unfortunate situation where I put work first and life very much second. Um, one of the most painful things that was said to me by my family was that you're always busy or a friend of mine said, well, you like working. And so those were some of the triggers that helped me realize when I, once I had this sort of post-surgery clarity, hearing those things where I previously wouldn't have really thought twice about it, but then with this new realization of the, the preciousness of life, I realized that those were really unfortunate descriptive terms and not ways that I wanted to be living. Um, you know, I had, I'd moved into, my surgery happened about four years after I moved into my home. And at that time, I still had an entire closet full of boxes that I never took the time to unpack because I, I couldn't seem to prioritize my own life over my work. So I'm, I'm, I'm sure there are people who can relate to that in their own version of workaholism. Absolutely. And then I assume just to have a, let's say, a healthy work-life balance is not as easy as flipping a switch. So, I mean, how would you encourage a workaholic to maybe switch their mindset or start, like, what are some tips as far as what can they do? What's the starting point of trying to get a good work-to-life balance? Mm -hmm. Yes, and you have, you actually said one of the pieces in your question. So one of the things that spoke to me so powerfully during my recovery is a quote by Annie Dillard that says, how we spend our days is in fact how we spend our life. And that floored me because I realized that my days were passing and mm -hmm. I took them for granted. But when you really add up our days, that's what our life is. So if we're not appreciating each day for what it is, the good, the bad, the Mondays, then we're missing out on our life. And so I think step one is really wrapping your mind around that mindset is key to decide that you want to live your life better, to be brave enough to sometimes go against what society is telling us to find that peace and that balance. It's, it's that decision that your life is worth living in a balanced way, that your days and your minutes are, are valuable to you. That's really step one is mindset. And then from there, it becomes a series of habits, practices, systems, tools, a lot of tactical things that help support a life that is rooted in the choice to live it. And do you feel like step one where it's, I'm going to make a change and actually put effort to that? You think that's the hardest part uh, of actually succeeding in this more than once you actually get into the routine aspect of it, that's a more comforting, actually provides comfort. So it would, you would think would be once you get going, you could really see the the positive outcome and stick with it. But is it just getting started is a lot of times the kind of roadblock for people? I do think so, because one of my struggles is that our society, at least here in the United States, it really pushes us towards workaholism. It really pushes us towards this life of, you know, constantly trading our time for money 
and needing more money to find success. You know, I, I found that part of my workaholic tendencies were rooted in, um, in just some past life experiences, feeling that accomplishment equaled success and approval, which is a really dangerous thing. And I think a lot of times how people find themselves as workaholics is sort of what is that past that's put us this way. And I do think mindset is powerful. And that is the hardest part. You know, again, I'll just touch on my past prior to having my chest cut open. I also um, broke my back when I was in college and had my father die suddenly when I was a child. So I had been taught already from the universe hey girl, life can be short, time is finite, time is precious. And I wasn't ready to listen in those other times. So I do think that mindset is the hardest piece. And the unfortunate reality too is I talk with so many people every day and every week about balance, but I can tell right away if someone is, if I can't help them. And so much of the time, that's because that person is still feeling like the victim. They're not ready to take ownership for their their role in work-life balance and i think that's really key is that realization that you know zach we control so much more than we realize and and we are allowed to fight for what we want and i would i'm guessing when we're thinking of fight we won't actually taking a stand for our own balance here i assume you have to really start getting the mindset it's okay to say no sometimes is that are you is that correct that is very correct. That is at the core of so many of my sort of signature trainings is how we are allowed to say no, how no is a complete sentence, how no is a word for a reason, and how nobody's time is more important than ours. It's scary to say no. So I also help people sort of ease into that. But, you know, saying, saying yes to something is actually saying no to something else when our time is finite. It's always a trade-off. That's a very good point. Very, And then what about setting goals? Uh, what role does that play when you're thinking of work-life balance? Is setting goals and a healthy work-life balance go hand in hand? I think it can. Um, I think it can also be dangerous. You know, again, I think about workaholics, you know, the people who are most likely to burn out and have imbalance are the highest achievers. And so those people tend to be very goal-oriented and goal-motivated. And so it can be dangerous to set certain goals um, because you start to get into that too much work, not enough life. But I think if people set goals around balance, then I think that really helps for someone who prioritizes work really well to put that same prioritization on life. You know, this is one of the reasons that when I teach people how to create an effective plan for each week to maximize their time, I encourage people to use one piece of paper for both work and life so that both are equally prioritized. And so I do think goals, creating goals around balance is good being sort of aware of if you are someone who is prone to workaholic tendencies just be cautious of the goals you're setting so that you're not reinforcing dangerous behaviors and then what's your opinion on and this may not be if we're thinking of individual goals somebody sets for self or maybe it could be but should all goals be attainable and and, I, and, kind of, and what I mean by that, you think of kind of the old school sales methods sometimes. They they give a team, you need to sell a thousand units this month, but they've never sold more than 800 in a month. It's, it's a goal. What, what's your thoughts on that? You know, that's a really great question. I'm just sort of thinking through that. And I think there's value in both sides of that. I think, you know, I teach people a concept called goal planning. And so that's where we establish smart goals and then we bring them into your calendar so that they're not just 
things on a piece of paper, but they're something that lives in your day to day. And so part of that is establishing a smart goal specific, uh, measurable, achievable, relevant time down and achievable, like creating something that you can actually reach. I do think is important. And part of that is because success breeds success. So even a lot of how I help people with work life balance is making it a point every week when you create your plan to also jot down successes for the week, because that does help us to perpetuate and reinforce good behavior. However, the flip side of that coin is, you know, we should never be sandbagging because I think real progress comes when we kind of be on, go beyond our comfort zone. So uh, it, that's a hard question to answer. I guess I would say, yes, goals should be achievable, but they should also not be achievable. Perfect. And then when I'm, when I think of goals and processes, you know, it's, I'm a, I'm very a routine person. I like routines. Would you say that routines play a big part in keeping that healthy work-life balance? I think they really can. And I'm also a person who likes routines. And I think a lot of us at our core are like that. When you really think about the biology behind humans and the psychology and sociology. And, you know, I really dug into a lot of this when I created my time management systems and my business is this, this thought that we want to avoid discomfort. As humans, that's really what we seek. And so routines for a lot of us can be comforting. And the, the nice thing about routines as well is when we can turn something into a habit, then it takes away a little bit more of our brain power becomes, because it becomes something that is ingrained and habitual and natural. And so I really like to teach people how to make weekly planning a habit, how to create a routine out of it, and how to just sort of utilize our natural human tendencies to walk towards routine in a way that does give us more brain power to put towards the other aspects of our life. And and I know you, you mentioned planning, and there's a lot of information on your on your website about planning. Um, what is your process? Are you planning a week in advance, or I mean, I, I, if I if I remember correctly, you you mentioned that you you start planning on Friday for the for the ne the following week. Is that kind of your method, and does that work for everybody, or is it dependent on the individual? Yeah. So let's talk about planning because this is something that I think really can bring value to your listeners. So hopefully we've talked about enough to, to prompt a change and people to inspire people to take a little bit of a change to value their time to feel comfortable saying no but i want people to have something tactical and tangible that they can do right away and what that is to me is planning every friday i'm a huge believer in planning on friday for your next week and the reason one of my favorite reasons for, for planning on friday is to avoid what i call the sunday scaries maybe you've heard of them or had them before I you think know, I've experienced them. Yes. <laughs> right. Sunday, Sunday rolls around and maybe you have joy for about three and a half minutes and then you are met with crushing anxiety about yes. all the things yes. that you need to do and how behind you are, you know, past me before my surgery, she had Sunday scaries all the time. And what I learned was if I took the time on Friday to wrap up the week that I was in to do all the follow ups and everything I said I was going to do, not only did it help me to be a better professional, but it helped me to go into my weekend with peace. And then I had a game plan so that Monday morning I could just hit the ground running. And that really became the cornerstone of one of my sort of life-saving practices was every Friday to sit down and map out my plan for the following week to include everything I knew I had to do, 
in work and in life, and then to include those things I wanted to do, to schedule in self-care, to schedule in joy, time with loved ones, and just really cre create that plan. So then when the next week came, all I had to do was look at that plan and just sort of go through, go through each activity. And it was, I mean, that was at the cornerstone of what truly changed my life. And when I work with people, that is the first thing I recommend because it's one of the most significant changes, the easiest. And then when you're helping people and consult, are you mainly working with individuals or is it groups and companies or is it a little bit of both? What, what has been your kind of your primary focus? Yeah, all of the above. Um, when I started the business, I was really just selling the products that I created because I knew they worked. And during that process, individuals said, hey, can you help me? Because I don't really know how to manage my time better and I just think I need more. So then I started doing individual consulting. And then during that process, um, some of my customers said, you know, this is really helpful. Can you come train my team? And that led into corporate training. And then people said, wait a minute, you have this whole story and this whole experience that brought you here. You should share that. You know, the first year I was in business, I didn't really mention how I started the business or why. And then over time, I sort of realized that somehow it helps people to hear about my journey. So that brought in more of the speaking at conferences and just sort of adding another level to the individual and corporate consulting. Well, that was definitely a good piece of advice you received because I know it, it resonated with me talking to you previously and then mm -hmm. researching and there is definitely great value. Um, and when you mentioned kind of the products you created, is there a website, social media, where can our listeners get more information about the products and the consulting services? I mean, where, where would they need to look? Yeah, everything is at origamiday.com, including a link to get a free download of the weekly planning sheet that I created. And I'll go ahead and tell you because a lot of people ask, um, it's a piece of paper that helps you write out your entire week and then you fold it down so that you're only looking at one day at a time. And that's one of the reasons the business is called Origami Day because there's a folding okay. weekly planning sheet. And so people can can find that at origamiday.com. And I'm also on all the social media channels at my origami day. Awesome. And we will be sure to include that in the show notes. And I know that was a lot of you know questions in different topics and areas and uh hope that you can come back sometime because I got a whole nother list of stuff I really need to help with <laughs> if that's okay. Yes and I also uh, you'll have to check out there's an event page on the website I do a lot of virtual and often free events so you can hopefully pop in on one of those and we can answer your we, questions. I would love to and we'll be sure to include that in our show notes and Samantha here, here on the Clear Track HR podcast what we like to do is obviously get to know the expertise of people like you and learn about a topic but we also like to learn about you in a more personal way and get to know you. And we feel like the best way to do that is obviously just rapid fire questions that are random. Are, are you okay with answering some of those? I will do the best I can for sure. Okay. I, they're, they're easy. I promise. So we'll go <laughs> ahead and get started. If you could have any superpower, what would it be? Oh my gosh. I love that. It, ooh, I, I might choose the ability to read people's minds. Um, I know that's probably an invasion of privacy to some people, but I, I just feel like that would be so intriguing to me. And maybe also animals' minds, not just the people. Right. That, I like it. So here's one that can be sometimes difficult, maybe not. If you could have dinner with any three people, dead or alive, who would it be? Oh, gosh, that's such a good one. Um, I would say one option, at the risk of sounding a little dark and morbid, before I choose my father, since I haven't really been able to have dinner with him since I was a child, 
I would probably also choose Michelle Obama. She is very intriguing to me and I, I really love a lot of the work that she does. And then I'm probably going to go with Eisenhower. Um, I really it wasn't everything I've learned about him. He's a really exceptional leader. And I just feel that there's a lot that can be learned. And he is credited for one of my favorite time management tools, which is called the Eisenhower Urgency Matrix. I am not familiar with that, and I will have to look that up. <laughs> Great answer. What is your favorite TV series of all time? Oh, gosh, that's hard. That's like choosing which dog is my favorite. I know. I know. Oh, that might be How I Met Your Mother. I don't know if you've watched that show. It that is, is my wife's favorite show. Oh, and, so funny. And we have actually made me start watching it for the first time a month ago, and I'm on season two, so I'm just now in the oh, midst good. of How I Met Your Mother. So, oh my gosh, it's so good. Hopefully you're enjoying it. Such a funny show. Yeah, I, I got the first couple episodes. I was like, okay, it's fine. Then I was completely invested. And so now <laughs> me and my 12-year-old daughter, who also has never seen it before, we're just we're plowing through them now. So my I wife's love that good bonding time too. Yeah. So what is your favorite U.S. city? Oh my gosh. Again, these are these are tough questions. Um, <laughs> I might have to say Charleston. Mostly because I, I grew up in the north, and when I went to Charleston, it was just like a whole different experience. I love that it's warm. I love that there's history. I love that there's food. I love that there's an ocean nearby. So Charleston is really a, a neat place to me because it's so different than what I was what I grew up with. That yeah, sounds great. And now we'll do some which is better. I'll just give you two options. You tell me which one, okay? Texting okay. or phone calls? Oh, phone calls. Michael Jordan or LeBron James? Michael Jordan. I lived in Chicago for years. Definitely Michael that's Jordan. What, that's what I thought. I'd throw that in. Any kind of Jordan <laughs> reference I can throw in. I try. Right. <laughs> uh, cooking or takeout? Cooking. Beach or mountains? Beach. How many hours of sleep do you need? I need at least eight. <laughs> if time is not an obstacle and you could see any band or musician in concert front row, who would it be? Mm. That might be the hardest question you've asked me. <laughs> I guess what comes to mind first is the Avid brothers. Um, they're a good one. Um, I'm going to go with that, but there's a part of me that thinks two hours from now, I'm going to have a different thought. Samantha Lane, did you pick the Avid brothers? My favorite band of all time. I've seen, oh, them, I've seen them six times in concert. I've probably um, seen them almost six times. They're incredible. They're coming to Huntsville, where we're based out of, in November. And me and my wife had tickets. First time they've come this local, so we're super excited. We don't have to drive too far. So yeah, we just made it to the top of the favorite guest list with that answer. All right, I love one. it. <laughs> last question, my favorite question. I think it's the most important question. You can ask somebody, what is your favorite movie of all time? Forrest Gump. Forced, I, perfect. I don't know why, but I just love that movie. There's, you need no excuses to like Forrest Gump. It's, <laughs> Forrest Gump is fantastic. I've been to Savannah and set that little chair from the first scene. Um, oh, I love that. It's a classic. Yeah, Forrest well, Gump. It just doesn't get old. It never does. No, it's perfect. Well, Samantha, this has been a lot of fun for me, at least. So I hope you had an okay time. And I really hope you can come on the show again because I got like, three more pages of questions, but 
Well, I appreciate you having me. I hope it's helpful for everyone listening. And I just, you know, I, I would love to close in telling people that you can be present in your life while still being productive. So I hope I can help people to do that. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Samantha. Thank you so much for our listeners for joining today. And we will talk to you again real soon.